It's appropriate today that uh, we've taken the Lord's table. We have celebrated communion. Um, it's appropriate that behind us, it's every, every Sunday, there's this. We kind of have different responses when we look at the cross and when we take the Lord's table, sometimes forgetting that the, the cross was an instrument of torture and killing and that the bread represents a body that was beaten and blood then the cup for blood that was shed. Um, you could probably summarize my message this morning by saying uh, never think that you can follow one who was crucified and somehow evade the cross. Uh, Jesus is going to speak to us about that. I'd like to read basically the surrounding passage and our passage this morning and then open us in prayer and introduce the message itself. Matthew 5, we'll start with verse 1. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain and after he sat down, his disciples came to him, his disciples and a crowd of others. Uh, not all of them in that word disciples were committed followers. Some were just curious and, and good night when you look at what he had done at the end of chapter 4, preaching, healing, every kind of disease and sickness. No wonder there was a crowd that came to him. He opened his mouth and he began to teach them, saying, Here is the king of heaven enlarging for the first time what is his message, as he has said. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right here. It's near. What will he say? Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn their own sin and the sins of their society. And we can join right in there. For they'll be comforted. Their own sin will be resolved, will be forgiven, will be pardoned. Blessed are the gentle, the meek. For they shall inherit the earth. The gentle, those who are the least assertive. The least likely to push for their own rights. Yet in God's kingdom, they inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Those who realize that within them, they've got nothing which God can approve. Nothing. And yet, they'll be satisfied because God will take their sins upon him in the person of Christ on the cross. And in place, he will give those who believe in him his righteousness and those who crave to be right with God inside their souls will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they'll receive mercy. Boy, if we've received God's mercy, how much more we want to share it with others around us. And to the extent we don't think we need his mercy, we're kind of tough and critical on those around us. Blessed are the sincere, the pure in heart, who sincerely want to know God. And the, the scriptures say, they'll see God. Phenomenal. Blessed are the peacemakers, because God has, they've made peace with God. Actually, God has made peace with them by the offering of his own son. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. We who have had our peace settled with God now get to look out at others and say, how can we resolve the conflicts you're engaging in? 
Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's pray. Lord, we've already been blessed. We've been blessed by these words spoken by the Lord Jesus' mouth on that hill that day. Kept in the scriptures, recorded for us, translated for us in our language to this very day. We've been blessed. We've been blessed to remember you and your death on our behalf and the life we have received from you. We're blessed. And now we ask you, we don't deserve it. We're poor in spirit, but we ask you, be our teacher. Open our eyes and our hearts and our ears to understand what it is you want us to to know and to hear today and to apply today by the grace of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit living within us. We pray this. Amen. In Central Asia, a relatively common occurrence is that the local police or secret police will invade a group of believers gathered often in a home, sometimes lucky enough to have a building where they're holding Sunday services. And the police will rush in with cameras to record every face in the group asking for cell phones to at least connect or maybe to keep themselves or to connect and or download all of their data and their contacts, go into the church office or the, the pastor's bedroom, wherever his computer is, confiscate that and get all their information, never give it back, and then bring the leaders and perhaps some of the people down to the police station where they'll keep them for hours and hours under harsh, brutal questioning to get from them who is the leader, where are you getting your information, where did this material come from, etc. Closer to home, I read about a French teacher who had biblical convictions. He's teaching French in a high school class. One of his students decided they wanted transition. I'll say no more. Those of you who are old enough understand. The younger ones may not. Um, Wanted to be called by a name different from the name he was born with. And um, that teacher, with the graciousness of Jesus, did all the kind of things he could accommodate for that student, but could not bring himself to call the student by the pronoun of an opposite gender. He said, I can't do that. I can't lie to the fellow classmates of this student. I can't uh, deny the creature God made that person to be in his image. I can't do that. Because of that, he lost his job. Investigated by the principal and those local leaders, and then by the school district as a whole, his name shamed and fired. Persecution exists 
far away and close at hand. Different forms, different levels of severity, yes, but it's there. Jesus said to those who are persecuted, you're blessed. In fact, let's just verify that Jesus is talking about persecution, since I am. I'd like to talk about what he's talking about. You'll notice in verse 10, blessed are those who have been persecuted. Verse 11, blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you. Verse 12, rejoice, be glad, in the same way they persecuted the prophets before you. So that's the subject that Jesus is addressing. Imagine this. Jesus is looking out on a group of people, curious to hear what he will say. Seated in the audience are people like Peter and Andrew, James and John, who will be some of those very people he's talking to. But not only speaking to them, but down through the ages, the people of God have heard the voice of Jesus speaking to them. Blessed are those who are persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I wrote out things I wanted to say this morning because I originally wanted to cover the next two verses, and I don't think we're going to get there. So in order to limit myself, I wanted to just use what I've written as my guide for this morning. Uh, the focus of this passage obviously is its persecution. Those who follow Jesus will endure some kind of hostile treatment, mistreatment, brutality, or ostracization, any, any kind of thing. First of all, and, and in addition to those three verses where we've seen it, then Jesus makes it threefold in verse 11. Blessed are you. <laughs> He's been speaking generically the whole way through the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who are merciful, those who are pure in heart, those who hunger after righteousness, those uh, who have a pure heart and will see God, those who are peacemakers. But now he lowers his gaze and he looks at the very people he's speaking to and catches lasers in their eye. He said, blessed are you. <laughs> and Jesus today if you'll look at me, please. It says, blessed are you. He's intensifying and personalizing what he's been saying in a more generic form. Blessed are you when people, first of all, insult you. None of us signs up to be insulted. Have you ever been called a name? Have been called a name in front of other people? And did it, did it feel good going down? You're blessed when people speak at you like that with abusive words. And then when they say lying, evil accusations about you. I read just a headline. I don't know. I didn't read the article, but I read the headline that said someone on a national TV program said, evangelical Christians are worse than the Taliban. That's an insult. And it's a lie. It's an untruthful accusation against the people of God. Jesus is looking at a group of people on this hillside, and he knows that those who follow him will endure such things. If he's going to endure the cross, the disciple is no greater than the master. The disciples will also endure harsh treatment. Well, then we should ask the question, well, why? I mean, we read through those Beatitudes, and you think, who would want to be tough on people like that? 
They seem kind and gracious and peacemaking and pure-hearted and, and they thirst for what is good. Why? Verse 10 says, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, on account of doing the right thing, on account of being right with God, on account of craving that status which God approves. Those are persecuted on account of that very thing. In verse 11, he says, they'll speak all kinds of evil against you falsely because of me. Do you see the connection? Because of righteousness, because of me. Jesus, the speaker on the hill that day, is the very embodiment of what righteousness is. If we are to be persecuted, it's because Jesus lives within us and the persecutors reject Jesus. The more we live in Jesus and the more Jesus lives himself through us, we're bound to suffer some opposition. Do you notice that Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after, tell me, righteousness. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for, we can talk, we're friends, righteousness sake. The very thing we famish for and hunger for will be the thing that draws us into conflict and crisis and mistreatment. And yet that is the ways, those are the ways of God. Jesus indwells us. He satisfies our aching hunger and our parched thirst. And of course we continue craving him after we've initially come to him in faith. Did you come today craving more of Jesus? I wake up and I look in the mirror and I say, that dude in the mirror doesn't have it. There's nothing in him that pleases God. I crave after Jesus to live through me because I don't bring anything to the table. And I've been a believer for decades. We all crave that, and yet that which we crave brings us into conflict. We need to, I think, talk about this a moment. Um, we are going to meet with hostility and mistreatment, but it's not because of our personality. Jesus didn't say, blessed are you who are persecuted because you're kind of just naturally obnoxious, or because you're rude, or because you're harsh and insensitive to others. No, we don't get, at least the blessing doesn't come on those who are persecuted because they rub people the wrong way with their wrongness. It's not because we're self-righteous or we're arrogant or we project a, a moral superiority to the people around us. Can we really talk? <laughs> we're good at that, aren't we? It's like, oh, I follow Jesus. I don't do that. And there's a sense of the puffed up chest and the looked down nose. That's not why we are to be persecuted because we tell everybody we're better than them because we're religious or because we are Christians. We're evangelicals. Listen to this. It is not because we align ourselves or our Christianity with a particular political party leader or a set of political ideas. That is not why this persecution comes. It's because Jesus is living his life through us. That is what draws fire. If we suffer rejection and mistreatment, 
Let it always be because we live out the life and the values and the purity and the very beauty of Jesus. If people come against us, may it be because they vigorously dislike the Jesus they see in us and nothing else on account of me, Jesus says. Well, the question then comes, well, can all this be avoided? You're already uncomfortable. Some of you wish you'd left before I got up here. Can't, can't we get around this? Or isn't this harsh treatment meant for, you know, the Mother Teresas of Christianity, the, the really holy ones, the, the specially selected ones whom we can sit back and admod, applaud and admire, but that we don't want to be close to them? Isn't it just for those? Um, Jesus says, not if, but when. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely accuse you. Here in his first sermon, he's announcing kingdom norms and the characteristics of all subjects of his kingdom. If we're to follow Jesus, this is what we are to expect. This is what it is like to be under his rulership here and now. And it has a comprehensive note to it, a ring of inevitability. Listen to these truths from elsewhere in the scripture. I just copied them out so we don't, I don't need to be turning through the scriptures. He came to his own, John 1.11, and his own people did not receive him. That was the best. <laughs> if we could say Jesus was part of Christianity, that was the best Christianity had to offer. He's the founder, and his own people didn't receive him. John 15.18-21, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I spoke to you, a servant's not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they don't know him who sent me. Matthew, same book we're in. Matthew 10, verse 16 to 18, and then 22. Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and before the Gentiles. And you'll be hated by all for my name's sake. We who crave to be accepted had better prepare ourselves that there's coming a time, I think, in our land, it's already there in so many others, where to follow Jesus is to draw fire. Acts 14. Just to note this, this is Acts 14. It's the end of Paul and Barnabas' first missionary journey out into the Gentile world. So what is going to be said and done in those cases is kind of like a, it's a model for the rest of generations to follow. The establishing of churches with elders, commending them to the word of God. So what Paul is going to say here at the very end of that trip kind of carries force for churches of all time. When they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. Let me stop there for just a second. 
Those just sound like tourist places on a map, right? <laughs> but for Paul, those were places where he had been either hounded out of town or stoned and left for dead. And so he goes back to the places where he'd been hit with rocks and people thought, well, he's goner. They just left him there. He goes back to those places where he had established believers. And he says this. They were there strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith. Wouldn't you want to give up <laughs> if the person who had just led you to faith was left for dead outside the city, bruised and beaten by stones? He says, continue in the faith. And saying this, that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Paul is telling these first churches, this is par for the course. This is how it goes. Stay strong in the faith. 1 Thessalonians 3, 1 through 4. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone, and we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer. This is a church where Paul may have been in residence for the very first time sharing the gospel for as little as three to four weeks, maybe longer. And he's run out of town, and so he's writing back to them saying, look, we told you, this is coming down the pike. Be ready for it. 2 Timothy 3, verses 10 to 13. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, those all sound pretty good, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at, in those three cities, at Iconium, Antioch, and Lystra, which persecutions I endured, endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. I wanted to bring a happy, cheery message, but Jesus said, blessed are those who get hounded and mistreated. If we're following Jesus, we are submitting to the ways and the laws of a different kingdom than this world currently recognizes. Jesus' norms run counter to this world and to this earthly kingdom. We must expect tension, resistance, and, not, and opposition. Not, not, hear me, not because we seek it, not because we are unnecessarily offensive, but because we align ourselves with the king of grace and of truth and of light and of love. From the very start of his discipling here in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus wants to prepare us for this. Notice how in verse 11 he has switched from the generic to the personal, you, as I've said before. So, another question. If this kind of mistreatment and conflict is to be expected, how should we respond? If we know it's coming, then being prepared for how we should react and respond to it when it hits us, Jesus will help us says, first of all, we should stand in the very certain knowledge that we, in fact, are blessed. We, in fact, are doubly blessed. For he said, blessed are those who are persecuted. Then he said, blessed are you 
when you're persecuted. So he repeated the word blessing twice. That word that means highly favored, almost to be envied, to be graced by God in special ways such that there is a, a happiness that's deeper than happiness. It's a joy that goes deep. Blessed are those. We should recognize if we are persecuted, we're blessed. We're in a uniquely favored position. It's not our immediate reaction. So we need to train our minds to respond this way. I was serving in one country uh, for quite a few years, and uh, at one time I arrived at the airport of their capital city, and I was denied entrance as if I were a criminal, locked in a room overnight, and uh, put on a plane the next day, having to run after the guy who was with all my luggage, who wouldn't even give me my own passport, but gave it to somebody on board, and I sat like a criminal on that plane until I could get my passport from someone from on the ground here who would come on board, get the passport, give it to me. Relatively minor. No one hit me. No one yelled at me. No one did anything unsightly or unseemly uh, toward me. Uh, But when I got back, I didn't say, man, what a blessing. I was just deeply grieving the loss of deep, deep friendships I had made with Muslims and other locals in that place of the world. I hadn't trained my mind to respond like Jesus wants us to. No, you're blessed when you get hounded. For you youth, I'm looking at this row. I know there's others of you around. Uh, At school, when you identify yourself as pro-life for Jesus' sake, not pro-life for political sakes, you're going to get ostracized. When you raise a question about uh, the dogmatic teaching of the origins of this world, evolution, and you raise questions about that for Jesus' sake, for biblical conviction's sake, you're going to run against some opposition. At your companies where diversity training, which on the surface is a super good thing because we need to be embracing of all peoples like God does, but when diversity training includes stuff that you can't agree with biblically, you may encounter some HR friction. And Jesus says we are to know we are blessed when those things come because of righteousness. Secondly, Uh, We are to receive this uh, persecution in this world as sure evidence that we live here and now under the kingship and the lordship and the dominion of the king of heaven. Blessed are those who have been persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Not just they'll get to go to heaven someday, but theirs is right now, here and now, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We square our shoulders when we are mistreated, because we say, I'm following the king who also gave his life, and I live within his reign, he reigns over me, and in fact, he says, the kingdom that he reigns over is mine. We consider ourselves blessed. We live within the power, the beauty, the the wonder, the grace of his very kingdom. We follow him. Right now, some lowly Afghan believer. I don't know his name. I don't know her name. 
is with all the possessions they could put uh, in a backpack or a sack is hiding for his or her life or in a cave somewhere or a town where they've never visited before where in a, in a society where local relationships are like currency and they've had to leave and run for their lives and their protection they're facing persecution throughout that land and many others and Jesus says you're blessed dear sister dear brother of mine you are blessed and the kingdom of heaven belongs to you even if you don't have a home even if you don't know where your meals are coming from even if you don't know you'll live to the next day you are in the kingdom of heaven and it belongs to you because you're following me loyally destitute desperate but loved and embraced by the king of heaven a pastor in communist china has just watched his church building be bulldozed he's watched he's himself has been thrown in the back of a truck hauled down to a police station interrogated because they want to get out who get at who are all his members he will not divulge that information out of loyalty to god and to them and he will pay the consequences maybe pay the ultimate cost but jesus whose reign will last forever and ever says my brother you're blessed heaven eternally belongs to you and you're in the kingdom now how else should we respond no we're blessed um, recognize that we are in God's rulership and he's in charge thirdly it says rejoice verse 11 blessed are you when you're uh, when people insult you persecute you say evil things against you falsely rejoice and be glad and some of you look at me like Brian I'm keeping a straight face but you are absolutely crazy well I didn't say this Jesus said this rejoice and be glad when you encounter this persecution its parallel passage in Luke actually says leap for joy and so there is an internal response to this that comes with the confidence I'm blessed I belong to heaven it belongs to me and I indeed can rejoice in this mistreatment now does this mean we deny reality that we are stoics that we just act like this doesn't hurt or that we're not afraid or that the next knock on the door might not might bring those who would kill me or drag me away is there not some anxiety in that well okay let's consider Jesus uh, our brother who was Joe talking about the garden and the various things that led up to Jesus death on the cross and one of those was Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane when he goes there he says to his closest disciples my soul is deeply troubled even to the point of death that's Jesus in his humanity knowing what he's going to face in about 24 hours and he's saying man this is killing me pray with me and then he goes before the father and he sweats blood I've never done that before I need to do more just plain sweating but he, he sweat blood as he appeals to the father if you can take this from me please do Jesus was fully human in addition to fully God and so when he tells us rejoice he understands what it is to go through hostility and in his case absolute murder 
And so rejoicing does not mean we just take it with this kind of surfacey, glib smile. No, there, the joys, rejoicing may be deep within, even while we weep, even while we express our fears, even we cry out to God. I mean, listen to the Psalms of David as he's facing his enemies. And he's saying, man, have you forgotten about me? Come on. And so, yes, we feel all of those very human things. But deep down, somewhere inside, we make a choice of the will. This is something I can rejoice over. So from his perspective, and ours if we will adopt it, we're not bound by the here and the now. Hebrews tells us that Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising its shame. So we can simultaneously suffer deep anxiety and fears while rejoicing in the center of our souls. So, answer that question, how? How in the world can we rejoice? How can you leap for joy, as Luke wrote, uh, in a circumstance like this? First of all, it says we're in honored company. I'm going to the end of the text, the last part of verse 12. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Some of you are old enough and were resident in Houston long enough that you remember Bum Phillips when he coached the Houston Oilers. You remember when we used to have a team named that here, professional football team. And our, our hero of those years with, with the Oilers was a, a runner from the University of Texas named Earl Campbell. And he ran like nobody else in the human race, it seemed like. And Bum, with his, he had a lot of bumisms uh, that he, he could quote, and they, you're just, you wanted to write them down. He said about Earl Campbell, he may not be in the class by himself, but it don't take long to call the roll. And Jesus says, if we're persecuted, we're in the company of historic, heroic followers of God. They've persecuted the prophets like that. Well, who were those prophets? Jeremiah, thrown down into a well and left uh, for, for a good while. Daniel, <laughs> who was thrust into a den of starving lions. His three friends, who were thrown and cast into a, a fiery furnace. John the Baptist, and later James, who's sitting on the hill listening to this message. James and John the Baptist, both beheaded. Stephen, stoned to death as called the first martyr of the church. And then Paul, who's written some of the passages I've read this morning. We don't even have time to list all that he suffered, and yet he kept the faith. If we're persecuted, we're in great company. Square our shoulders and say, I'll take my place in that noble line. Furthermore, those who are persecuted can know that their reward is great in heaven. That's verse 12, the first part. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. An eternal prize awaits those who suffer persecution. A rich reward is in store for those who are considered the poor and the wretched in this life. All of us who have extreme difficulty trying to imagine such a reward must get ourselves out of earthly thinking. We think, well... How good can a reward be if I have to go through these bruises 
and insults and, and, and mistreatment and hostility and harsh, harsh treatment. How good can the reward be that would make me want to go through this loyally to, to Jesus? 2 Corinthians 4 includes these very, very powerful words from the Apostle Paul. But we have this treasure, <laughs> the gospel of Jesus. We have this treasure in jars of clay, very breakable vehicles, these things, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're not alone. <laughs> we are struck down, but not destroyed. We are always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. So death is at work in us, but life in you, to whom I minister. So we do not lose heart. Though our outward self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day for this light momentary affliction. And that's what Paul says about the stuff he went through. This light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. It's the duty of the pastor to try and make that sense to our imagination. And Paul just relieved me of that responsibility. He says, it's beyond anything I can compare. It's bigger than we can even imagine. For the things that are seen are transient. We're here for a 60, 70, 80 years of time. It's like on the screen of eternity. And our suffering is even smaller than the lifespan. The things that are seen are transient. But the things that are unseen, they last forever. Jesus calls it not just a reward, but a great reward. I assume that Jesus had a great sense of humor and that probably there were times when he exaggerated for effect. But here, he's not exaggerating. He's saying, blessed are you who have been persecuted, for your reward in heaven is great. Yes, in this case, he points us to something yet in the future, eternal, while we live in the kingdom here and now. I'd like to read words of a song I heard this week, and I forgot to download it and print it, so right before communion, excuse me, Joe, I, uh, or Mike, you, t you had us get out our phones, right? I, I got out my phone. I did something different. Huh? <laughs> I'm not going to sing it to you, though I'd wish I could. Afflicted saint to Christ draw near, your Savior's gracious promise here, his faithful word you can believe that as your days your strength shall be. Your faith is weak, your foes are strong, and if the conflict should be long, the Lord will make the tempter flee, that as your days, your strength shall be. So sing with joy, afflicted one. The battle's fierce, but the victory's won. God shall supply all that you need. Yes, as your days, your strength shall be. Should persecution rage and flame, Still trust in your Redeemer's name. In fiery trials you shall see that as your days, your strength shall be. So sing with joy, afflicted one. The battle's fierce, but the victory's won. God shall supply all that you need, that yes, as your days, your strength will be. When called to bear your weighty cross or sore affliction or pain or loss or deep distress or poverty, still as your days, 
your strength will be. So, sing with joy, afflicted one. The battle is fierce, but the victory is won. God shall supply all that you need. Yes, as the days go by, your strength will be. Several years ago, I read a book called Ghost Soldiers. It's about the, the a most amazing rescue of prisoners of war behind enemy lines in World War II. It took place in the Philippines. Uh, there were multinational prisoners of war and prison camps behind enemy lines held by the Japanese. And MacArthur, as he said, I will return, was returning to the Philippines, and the Allied troops were increasingly advancing into enemy territory, and the Japanese who held the Philippines Islands realized, we're going to need to get out of here. The question was, what do we do with all these prisoners of war we've taken and all these prison camps we hold? Intelligence came back to Allied forces that those prisoners were being brutally massacred. And with that intelligence, some of our generals said, we can't let this happen. So they formed a secret force that would go behind enemy lines, penetrating far deep through the jungle, enlisting the aid of some local partisans who craved freedom, and went deep into enemy territory, attacked this one fort, and delivered well in excess of 100, I think it's something like two to 300, prisoners of war on ox carts and things like that, bringing them in their emaciated, wounded, injured condition out to Manila. And it says that some, as they approached, when they saw the American flag, as weak as they were, they stood up in an ox cart and they, they saluted the American flag. Well, they were put on ships to bear them back to the United States. Of course, getting medical care and decent food for the first time in months or years and to begin to recover. And as they came into San Francisco, the bridges and the sides of the, of the, the canal or the entrance or the, the bay into San Francisco were lined deep with people and there were fireworks and, and all kinds of celebration. The people lining on the bridges began to throw down upon them. There were parades and, and, and music and all kinds. And these men who were the harshly treated of this world were now being celebrated by a whole city. In fact, a whole region. On the bridge, there were people who would be close enough to a ship to cast down theater tickets and coupons or invitations to eat at my restaurant or business cards to get free service at their business, um, all kinds of things. Uh, various items of women's apparel, things like that, love letters to strangers cast down on these ships. And I will say to you, if the city of San Francisco... And if the region of Northern California and if the Department of Defense can throw a party like that for those who have been persecuted in a prisoner of war camp, what can our Almighty God do for those who are persecuted in this life? Those Afghani believers, those people from the region where I once served, those believers under communist China, in, around the Muslim world, 
if we could award a group of prisoners of war, what can God do when he gives a great reward to those who have suffered for his sake? As your days, so your strength will be. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and say all kind of false accusations against you. For great is your reward in heaven. And so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's stand and pray. Uncomfortable as we are, Lord. In the back of the sign-up line for this course, we, we don't want to get in this class of suffering. And we thank you that you don't send it our way all the time. But help us prepare. At least help us prepare our hearts to rejoice, to consider ourselves heaven-blessed. Prepare us to be loyal to you no matter what comes. We need your help in this. We can't make this up ourselves. We can't conjure up the, the human strength to face this. But Jesus living in us can. And we thank you for him. We love him and we want to be loyal to him and his name. For your glory, our Father in heaven, we pray it. Amen.